Our Father, we thank you for today. Thank you because your goodness is ever present with us. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, our desire, the desire of our hearts, which is why we come to places like this, is for understanding. We know you've seen that, our desire, and you've granted us what is the most important thing to us, which is wisdom and understanding. We receive it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, let's declare the word of understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. Now spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart? It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? Amen. Amen, like you believe it? Amen. Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord has given you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Amen. The eyes of your understanding has been enlightened. Amen. And you will have deep insight in the ways of the Lord. Amen. And you will walk in a manner pleasing to him. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Can you greet two people on your left and your right before you sit? Just tell the fellow, God bless you. You are welcome to today. If you are a single man and a woman is single, greet us again. Say, God bless you. You are welcome to today. Why are you beating Chris? Did I mention his name? Why did you beat Chris when I said that? These men of God, they are very, very mischievous. I didn't, Chris, I didn't call you. He's the one that called your name. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen again. Amen. All right. Um, let's open our Bibles. We want to continue our study on being agents of faith and light. I can't say this enough. Anytime God wants to do something, he uses people. The only time I'm aware in scriptures that he doesn't use people, even then he'll still use prophets, is when he wants to judge and destroy things. He just rain heaven from heaven. And the rain will continue to fall, and the deep will open, and everybody drowns. Then uses one man to save those who he wants to save. And the guy's name will be what? Noah. He wants to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He goes ahead to destroy it by himself. And then, with the intercession of one man, he saves a few, actually, also. But destruction, he uses his angels. But every other thing he wants to do, he must involve people. That's the way it works. And if he doesn't find people that he can use, what he wants to do will not be done. I said that not with emphasis. That's just the way, the, the, just, that's just the way it is. Don't say, ah, he's a sovereign God. He knows too. But like I always say, sovereignty is different from lawlessness. He's sovereign, but he has put rules in place. And with his own mouth, he said it. Speaking through his prophet, he said, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. But the earth... He has committed, he has given to the sons of men. That is, they are supposed to be in charge, so he doesn't break the rule. He talks to them. So what I'm doing in this series is charging us again to make sure we are people that God can use to do what he wants to do. 
to make sure that we are people through whom he can redeem, or let me put it like this, he can manifest the redemption that he has given, granted in Christ Jesus. This is what God does. Anytime he says to people, I have given you this land, the next statement he makes is what? Go in and go and possess it. He has given it to you does not mean it will drop on your laps. I hope you are getting my point. He has given it to you does not mean it will drop on your laps. He has given it to you means that if you do what you are supposed to do, it will come to you without undue effort. I use the expression undue because many times people can get things that God doesn't want to give them yet because they put extra effort, labor. It's called eating the bread of sorrows. You understand? When man was cursed, God still told him that you will still get bread, just at this time around through sweat. But so if people do what they are supposed to do, Paul said it, I planted, Apollos watered. Then, you see what I'm saying? The increase which had been granted by God was delivered to them. Without the planting, without the watering, even though God had determined to give them increase, they would not receive increase. It's important we understand it. So, the fact that God has, I mean, you know, you know, I've told you this illustration before. One of my, well, one of my contemporaries in school, go to class, he wouldn't go to class. Why? He said going for lectures is relying on the arm of flesh. Then you ask him, what are you doing in school? Then we didn't have this understanding that we have now. A student cannot say he's working in unbelief if he goes for lectures. Is doing the day's labor. Be occupied with this until I come. Are you getting my point? So, what am I trying to say? If God has given us something, if God has granted you success, it doesn't mean that, I mean, maybe you slept one day and you dreamt, and the Lord appeared to you like he appeared to Solomon. He said, don't even ask me for anything. I have already decided what I'm giving you, which is success in all that you do. First class. You get into university, first class. You do master's, Distinction. You get a PhD, you do it in record time, and you'll be, you know, it will be distinction with extra honors. Because it's very nice. Do you like that? You say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then you lie down there. You wake up in the morning. Your mother says, Uche. <laughs> say, yes, mommy. Get ready on time, time to go to school. He said, for what? The Lord appeared to me in the dream like he appeared to Solomon. And he spoke to me. I have given you success. Said, therefore, moment this running up and down is unnecessary. You know what will shock you is that you will so feel they will withdraw you. You'll be wondering. <laughs> you, you know, the, the failure will be extra. Let me tell you what God meant when he said, I have given you a first class. I've given you distinction in masters. I've given you this kind of PhD. What it means is that now you will behave like a distinction student. You will behave like a responsible child of mine whose head will be filled with knowledge, whose heart will be filled with understanding. So if lectures start by 8, get your seat by 7.30. And I don't want you sitting anywhere beyond the first or second row. He was not saying you will get it by your own strength. He's saying that is what good students do. That's what he said. People think that, no, no, listen. They'll not be sleeping three hours in a day. You know, he gives to his beloved, you are breaking a rule. He gives to his beloved even while he sleeps. 
I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day. So take all your lectures during the day. In early evening, you know, earlier parts of evening, read, play a bit, eat properly. Then go to sleep at the appropriate time. Go to church. Do what a good student, even if he doesn't have the promise of God for distinction, would do. Then the promise that God gave concerning extra success in your life, it will come to pass. Grace does not mean you become lazy. Paul said, grace means I labored more than them all. I, I hope you are getting my point. Grace does not mean I become lazy. So this guru, 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 guru. Success does not come by all this hustle. That's what Pastor Bangi said. Don't misquote me, otherwise I punch you in your dream. Are you getting my point? Don't misquote me. Success does not come by hustle. That is true. But he said it is vain for a man to... You no, know, he said that except the man... Except the Lord builds a house... What is the next line? They labor in vain. Those who do what? Build it. So they must still build it. When the Lord is building a house, the manifestation is that the laborers are laboring. They are not sleeping. Except that it will not be in vain. When the Lord is not building it, no matter how hard they build, it will be in vain. So if God says, let's build a house, he doesn't mean everybody, get suya, get drink. Bring toothpick. Let us sit around the building site and be eating and rejoicing in the Lord. Why? The house is going to be built by angels. Believe me, with all the promises of God upon your head, one scripture will be missing in your Bible. The sun shall not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. You read it, it will not be there again. <laughs> you will be homeless. <laughs> That's the point I'm making. The Lord is good. No, it's important we learn to balance things. It's very, very crucial that we believers learn to balance things. We must be examples of diligence, but not fleshly hard work. You know what I call fleshly hard work? Before your children wake up, you have left the house. They are the mother. You've disappeared. By the time you come back, they're already asleep. They've been asleep for three hours. They call your maid, mommy, and call your auntie. She knows your life is over. Ah, Yes, that's it. You just know God has rejected your works. That's how you, it's easy to know when God has rejected you. You come and say, hey, hey, Ada, come now. She looks at you, turns her shoulder and rushes for the maid. Just start crying. Just start crying. Mommy, which child have you seen? Mommy wants to cry and say, hey. If his daddy will understand, you know, this daddy is, nobody likes them. You get to my point. <laughs> but mothers, no. Let the mother finish beating the child. The child is still doing like this. <laughs> Beat the child is still following you. You're not turning him back. Like, for what? That is normal thing. Now, what's the point we're trying to make? All right? So we said that even though God has given us something, do you follow my point? We still must do what is necessary. It doesn't mean that you are relying on the arm of flesh. Diligence is a trait of true Christians. They are not lazy people. If you see a man that is lazy, check him. Have you given your life to Christ? If he says yes, tell him it is doubtful. We are not sure. You should be an example of diligence, not laziness. If he says, I'm looking for work, I have not found, tell him it's a lie. Say, why are you looking for work? Go and volunteer somewhere. Go to your church. They are looking for Bible teachers. Read your Bible well. Do you understand? Be there regularly. Anyway, let's not sit on that. The Lord is good. So the point we're making is that, see, God requires us to do our part when he has promised to do something. Anytime he promises to do something, we still have a part to play. We have a part to play. 
Are you getting my point? Yes, yeah, you should learn to play your part and not to play his own part. What do I mean by don't play his part? We saw that example in that Psalm 127. It is vain to rise up early and then go to bed late. So anybody rising up early, that they want to say early now, very, very early, and going to bed very late, he said, the fellow is playing God's part and the Lord doesn't like it. He denies God his own role to play in his life. That's one thing we have to be careful about. Know what is yours to do. Sometimes I see, now, I've not gone to my message, just trying to remind us what we're talking about, but now, I want to just explain something. You know, you have to give room, like Paul said, for the vengeance of God. In the same manner, give room for the blessing of God. It's important. What do I mean by that? You cannot be too, don't, don't impress yourself with your plans. Don't, don't, you know, when you have too many plans, obviously, the Lord is not blessing you through any of those plans, I can assure you. He's not. You know, I quoted Chris Evans for us on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday or last Saturday here? And Chris Evans said that many of the things that we said, if I until he said it, that's just about two weeks ago when I was on campus here. I never saw it like that. So we write a lot of things. A good leader. Five-year development plan. He knows where, the, where everything is going. Yeah, he said if that's the case, Moses was a useless leader. Moses was not good. Why? Because you ask Moses, how long are we going to stay here? He has no idea. And he will tell you, we'll be here until the cloud moves. The way to the promised land, he did not know. He only knew to follow the cloud. If he's moving by day. Or the pillar of fire. If he's moving by night. Leadership is about understanding the principles that you're supposed to live life by. Now, what I'm trying to explain is this. All right, Please get my point. I'm trying to bring out to us, you really cannot, please believe this, you cannot Plan, no, it's not a sign that you're very good, that you have details and accurate plans. I've said this, you know, sometimes if you don't understand what I'm trying to say, you wonder, what is this man trying to contemplate? What is he, what is he advocating here? Look, our business will grow like this. We'll have this number of customers by this in seven year projection. Believe me, it's good to use it to keep yourself busy, but don't believe it for one moment. What did I say? Use it to keep yourself what? Busy. You know, especially when you are jobless, be drawing all kinds of plans. It is good. You know, it keeps your brain working. But please don't believe it for one moment. Why? So that when he fails, you will not be too unhappy. You won't be too disappointed. Let, look, when plans fail, laugh. Just know God is at work. One thing he does is that he says, my glory, I will share with no one else. I'm not sharing my glory. Let me tell you what my glory is. It means when you are going to tell the story of your life, you will not be able to tell people how you planned ahead and it worked exactly the way you planned it. Life never works like that. Anytime you see somebody describing life as if it worked like that, don't believe him. He's lying. He's lying. He's lying. He's lying. It pains me. That's why I don't read many books. Sometimes I even hear some preachers talking. I switch off the TV. My wife says, why? I say, this guy is not telling the truth. Gone are the days when I believed in the principles of church growth. I, Apostle, I stopped that nonsense long ago. <laughs> Long, no, it's not now. You know, there was a time I was, I was believing it too. I remember one woman said that, anywhere you put me, I will grow the largest church. Do you know I believed him? <laughs> yes, because his church was very big and always growing. Any branch he opens to be big. But now I look back and say, oh God, I, don't, I don't care. You know, people's results don't impress me. Because the Bible says what? He himself does not know how. That's what the Bible says. He himself does not know how. 
So you have a church, there are 20,000 people there. The Bible says, you don't know how. But he said, I've given you a number of things to do. He said, plant, then go to sleep. That's what the Bible says. Plant and do what? Go to sleep. Go and see what it says in that Mark chapter 4. He said, the earth by itself produces. Just identify what you are supposed to plant. Plant it consistently and regularly. Don't let yourself be discouraged. Don't let your hands be idle. I like the way Solomon said it. So you're sitting in the morning. At night, don't let your hand be idle. It has a principle of life. Just don't be idle. Make sure you are doing something. It doesn't have to look big. One of our brothers, <laughs> you know, he wrote an article, you know, and he's, he's a, you know, on a blog. He told me the other day that, of course, it was so surprising to him. One of the, you know, one of those top, tippy, tippy, top business teachers in the world said she had never read such a balanced teaching on entrepreneurship and um, working somewhere. And said she had never read anything like that. And he was in his office in Nigeria here. Just wrote it and put it on his blog. Just don't be idle. There are certain principles you are supposed to live life by. Live life by those things and then relax. That's what I was talking about. Allow God his own work to do. I like the story of Ron Kenoli. Look, I know you are tired of hearing me tell it, but I will still tell it. Because I'm preaching for two reasons. One for you, one for me. That's it. <laughs> you are one reason I'm preaching. The second reason is me. <laughs> so I'll tell you to make myself happy. I know you have heard it. The way you are looking at me. <laughs> Ron Kenoli did everything everybody would do. He had the talent. He felt that this was what he could do. He recorded demo tapes, made many copies, and was sending to every recording label, Christian recording label that he knew. All of them replied to him, said they were not interested. All of them replied him. All of them. Discouragement one after the other. The last one he received, he was so discouraged. He said, God, all right, you can't go anywhere. So he locked God in the church. You know what I mean. Like he locked himself inside. And said, Lord, they don't want to hear me. You, you will hear me. So he sat and played all the songs he knew for the Lord. Let me add my words. Say, Lord, I hope you are enjoying that. He sat and played and sang and played and sang and played and sang. He did that until he fell on the floor in worship. Finally, he rose up after a long time and told the Lord, All right, I'm done. That is it. I'm not sending any demo tape anywhere again. He now focused on his job. In the church where he was what they call a music pastor. That was where he was when one of the directors of, my, uh, of um, Hosanna Music came in and said, please come and record an album with us. It was not from his demo tapes. It was from the G's that was flying around that, have you been to that church? Have you heard the worship there? Hey, my father. That was how the G's moved around and he got to their own headquarters. The man came to come and hear with his own ears. And when he heard it, he walked over to the man, gave him a card. And when he was telling us the story, lift him up. The second album he produced had just been declared the best-selling praise and worship album ever released on planet Earth at that time. After he gave up, 
you are not going to succeed until you have failed. I hope you are getting my point. So rejoice at your failure. You are closer to success. You know why God lets people fail? If they don't, they will be bragging. Any man who can brag will still fail. And he will fail big, heavy. So God likes it now, early in life. He frustrates. Oh God, blessed are thee when thou art frustrated. For thine is the kingdom of greatness and success and breakthrough. I'm telling you the truth. When you have tried and it didn't work, it's a good sign. <laughs> Honesty is a good sign. It's a good sign. It is a good sign, though. I hope you are getting my point. It's a good sign. Don't be discouraged. Do it again. One of the things, and I was sharing with my brother last night. I had a meeting, and I traveled. That's why I came a bit late. So I came back. Of course, as usual, a meeting lasted through the night, you know. I was just sharing with my brother. I said, one of the things, now, please try to understand it, okay? One of the things Christians should get used to and not feel bad is how to fail. We think it's a matter of faith. I call success to be in the name of Jesus. I don't know what to say again. The Lord is good. Let's leave it like that. Look, look, look. Failing is not a big deal. It's one of the steps that God put on the way to fulfilling his will in your life. You know, Moses was said to be meek, right? Isaiah was the meekest. Let me tell you, you know, there are some meeknesses. Is that English good? There are some meeknesses you cannot be born with. That level of meekness, if you are born with it, you are an idiot. Now, when I say idiot now, that's not an insult. It's a description for your intelligence. You don't know anything. So this guy has always been meek. He doesn't know anything. That depth of meekness. But he said, but Moses had it, yes. Out of experience. Out of frustration. Go and read your Bible. He wasn't meek as a young man. He was a troublemaker as a young man. First, his mother told him, don't tell anybody. I'm your real mother, not that woman. How come? You know, they were going to kill you, so I hid you. The boy don't vex. (laughs) He was already angry. Please remember the son of who you are. Just like Esther, he went back to that place and kept quiet about who he really was. You remember this? You know, you know the story. Then he grew up, and I said, "No, I'm just trying to imagine." He said, "Time to go and meet my brethren." Imagine that the father said, "No, you can't go." He said, "No, no, I'm going now." He came. He saw a man oppressing one of his brethren. Is that a meek man? He went, killed the guy, and buried him. I don't know how many millions of oppressors he was planning to kill. Next, he was going. He made himself a judge. Is that a meek man? One of them got angry. Who made you a judge? Who are you? That was when God now told him. Now, if you go and listen to learning from Moses, I described this there. The Lord now told him to leave Egypt. He did not run away from Egypt because he was... See, that's one thing we misunderstand. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, he ran from Egypt not because he was afraid of Pharaoh. The Bible was emphatic that he wasn't afraid of Pharaoh. He was ready to stand up to Pharaoh. God said, no, move. He was not meek as a YouTube boy. That's the point I'm making. As a young man, he was not meek. Then after God told him to go into the wilderness, you know what happened to him in the wilderness? Let me summarize this for you. Nothing. He was reduced to what? Nothing. Prince of Egypt became a shepherd. He lost self-confidence. 
wasn't born is Tamara. No. No, read your Bible story well. Self-confidence disappeared. It ended in his life. Before you call him, I am Moses, prince of Egypt. What is the problem? Now, you call him, Moses. Ah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know what's going on now. The man was frustrated. <laughs> when he had reached rock bottom, God now came back. Moses, who are you? Let's make a long story short. I'm sending you back to Egypt. The story was, ah, Lord, I'm retired. I'm out of the loop. I don't do such things anymore. God said, it's people like you I want to use. I said, Lord, you don't understand. I don't have the energy. I don't have the eloquence anymore. The people in Egypt now, they don't even know me. Because the Bible said, but make it clear that those who were looking for him, they had died. He said, go back. What will I tell them? If you notice something about Moses, he kept on asking God, okay, when they say this, what do I say? Before that, he had an answer to everything. This time around, they say, okay, when they say who sent me, what should I tell them? You will tell them this. Okay. What, 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 what if they don't believe me? <laughs> Let me tell you, he so questions God, questioned God, God got tired of him. Read it. God got provoked. What is it? Am I not the one that made him out? I'm sorry, Lord. Okay, you don't want to talk? No, I still don't want to talk. All right, your brother is coming to look for you. He will be your prophet. That's when God took the anointing and put on Aaron. <laughs> Those days, we are all used to loudspeakers. I have a mic you know, um, stuck on my chest and speaking my sound. But those days, in the mosque, Afa, what do they call Afa in English? Olaenga. The imam, thank you. I don't, about Yoruba mosque, I don't know about Igbo mosque. Is there, is there any like Igbo mosque? <laughs> Such an irony. Igbo mosque. <laughs> This modern invention, Ibo Musk. Anyway, in the West, this is what I used to do. The Afa, the man will sit down and whisper. And one small boy beside him will say, Afa said that by tomorrow. <laughs> That's what they used to say. The man will preach a line of a sermon. The small boy will stand. Afa is sitting down. No? That's how they used to do it. That's a picture of Moses and Aaron. When Moses said, Moses never said. Aaron was the one saying everything. When the Bible said, Moses said, it wasn't Moses that shouted it. Aaron would say, what did you say? Tell him, he should let the people go, that the Lord said so. Thou says the Lord, my brother said, no. <laughs> let my people go, that they may serve me. Now listen to me, what am I trying to say? The man's confidence in himself, God, that his life had removed it entirely. What does that mean? Next time he was stepping out, he went only in confidence in God. And that's why the Bible says he was meek. He wasn't born without meekness, with that kind of meekness. He wasn't. Such meekness, naturally, is abnormal. Everybody will make a fool of him in primary school. They will laugh at you in secondary school. In university, they will take your things. If you're that meek, God doesn't want that kind of meekness on people that are just being born. It was too much. But for Moses, believe me, God liked his own because it was a sign 
that a man had strength, but the strength had been removed by encounters with God. Now he doesn't have any faith in himself anymore. He has faith in only what God can do for him. During the meeting I told you I went for, we analyzed some of the Christian songs that we sing. And some of us said that it may sound very nice, but really they are not very good. He said there are too many eyes, I, I, I in our songs. We, are not, we, we sat and began to analyze many songs that Christians sing. And there were too many eyes. We will claim that it is I in Christ. But believe me, most of the time it's arrogant. I, I, I. Yeah, what God has. Listen. Let me tell you. One of the things I'm learning in life is that even when God gives you revelation, he makes sure you don't have any confidence in that revelation. Your confidence must always be in God. Let me tell you the kind of thing that happened to our brother, Paul. Paul said he had abundance of revelation. Let me say what they call abundance of revelation. Because we've talked about knowledge in spiritual things. is what? Power. This is how I see it. You know, I've said this before, that spiritual things, and you can learn the way they work, the techniques and all of that. Paul has so much understanding. Just by walking with Christ, there were so many things in the realm of the spirit he understood that he could teach Balaam his trade if Balaam wanted to learn. And we've talked about Balaam before. Paul understood it so much. He said the, tend- he said the problem with such understanding is that a man becomes what? Puffed up. That's the tendency. A man becomes proud. He said, God now did something for me. He now gave me a tormentor, a messenger of Satan. When we started learning the word of faith, we tried to explain that thing away. But there was no explaining it away. Paul said, I went to the Lord three times. People say, what God was telling him is that he could rebuke it. Listen, if you understood what Paul was saying, he understood the principle of rebuke. He knew rebuke, we don't handle this one. He didn't go to God because he wanted to go. He like, I can't handle this thing. He said, Lord, remove it from me. I don't like it. God said, you see, it's for your own good. Why? I don't want it to be puffed up. And then it will, listen to this, it's very important. It will never be a problem if puffing up is not a risk. Anytime you see that messenger stir itself up and attack you, it is because at that moment, too much risk. The risk was too high for being puffed up. That is, this abundance abundance of revelation. God said, I don't want it at all to breed any confidence in yourself. So Paul started telling you, death is working in us. Yet life is working in you. There's a reason. Paul had other revelation, but God never for one moment allowed him to have confidence in himself. That's why he used the expression like, death is working in us. Life is working in you. Now what I'm going to say is this. I like what the pastor Paul just said once. He said when, he said when, <laughs> very nice. He said when Paul said that we are of the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and do not have confidence in the flesh. He said it was not teachings on righteousness that remove confidence in the flesh. He said no. He said you are not as righteous as that. He said it's when confidence, he said it's when flesh fails you that the confidence will go. Sometimes you think you know how to declare the right words. And once you declare these five words, in scripture, ah, the thing will open. What you don't know is that you have become Babalao. It's called abundance of revelations, you know? 
Once you think it gives you personal control, God says, I have to frustrate this boy. I have to frustrate this girl. That's what happened to Paul. That's why the Lord just took him. And anytime, go and check it. Anytime Paul will have a massive, you know, manifestation and result in ministry, they will stone him out of that place. God allowed that. Stone him. Why? So that the man will never forget he's but a man. He's not God. No matter how much of Jesus you know, you are but a man. You are not God. God said to him, Paul, don't worry. He said, Lord, but when the stone person, how will we preach the next day? He said, just try. When you are weak, then you will be strong. He said, that is when my strength will be made perfect. He said, just try it. So, so that's why you will stone Paul. You think he's there. Finally, the guy, once he wants to get up, strength will come back. He will stagger somewhere. Because he's tired, he'll give a testimony. People will be saved. I hope you're getting my point. That's why I say, look, if you have been frustrated, in fact, please, greet your neighbor. He said, well, congratulations on your frustrations. <laughs> yes. Tell the person, for when you are weak, then indeed you are strong in the Lord. Sometimes, you know, if we know what God is in our lives, sometimes you think you have everything together. You know, listen, you know what happened to Job? I have taught, I've read Job, I've reasoned about him, I've taught from Job. I have risen and risen and risen. That's the understanding I have from Job. Sometimes it scares me, you know, I, I will just be praying and say, Lord, <laughs> someone would think we have something made, you know. And we're not, it's not even what we thought was fleshy. We thought it was based on revelation. We are operating some things. Uh, you know, we have Christians say there are certain keys you press and things will open. Don't stop saying it. Stop saying it. All, what you need are keys to press to please, please the Lord. As for things opening, it is a gift of God. Job knew everything to do to get the right results. He knew the sacrifices to offer so his children would not die. He knew the sacrifices to offer so his own children would not die. And he offered them appropriately. He knew, look, Job was honest, righteous. But listen, he understood that his righteousness was a key to prosperity. So when he prospered, he explained it. Go and read Job 29. He said, oh, that I was in the days gone by. When my children were with me. When my feet were bettered in butter. When the rocks poured out for me streams of oil. He described all, look, he described all the blessings in his life. He said, why? He said, because. He began to say, why? Because I defended the cause of the widow. The, they said, the blessing of the one who was dying came upon me. Because I was strength to the weak. I was eyes to the blind. He kept on describing all the righteous things he did. Go on, when you, uh, we're not going to read it now. Go for after and go and read Job 29. He had good control. <laughs> he had good control of life. So God said, boys, we like this guy. So what are we going to do? We're going to move him to a higher level. So how do we move into a higher level? Finish him. That's it. So how do we do that? I said, call, call Satan next time you see him. Satan didn't come there by himself. God called his attention to Job. He was just running to and fro, and then he goes, the sons of God, the person, he showed up. Why? He was summoned. 
Have you considered my servant Job? Yes. What's the situation? You blessed him too much. He said, good. The guy has to go to the next level. God didn't tell Satan this one. No. He said, in his heart, he said, Job has to go to the next level. So we are determined to finish him. And since you are the finisher, we have a job for you. God, in quote, using the words of Jeremiah, deceived Satan. I, I, used, I bought that deceit from Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, the Lord has deceived me and I have been deceived. He deceived Satan. Just like he said, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's the same thing. So Satan said, good. I will make people hate God. No, think about it. Because then Job was an example of righteousness. And the prosperity that came from righteousness. The peace that came from righteousness. The blessing that came from righteousness. So if Job went down, everybody's faith would fail. So Satan said, good. (laughs) He didn't know God was laughing. (laughs) No, God wouldn't try that with many Pentecostals today. Because if their tithe does not multiply, if they give first fruit at the end of January, by February, it has not come to them multiplied. Well, go bust. But Job, unlike them, really loves the Lord. He just that he was misguided. So that's why God could bet on Job. But you know the rest of the story. Satan went after Job until Job lost faith in everything he understood. His friends sat with him and showed him the principles. Job, Job, you are telling me this kind of calamity came to you and you did not commit adultery. Job. Job said, who reported me to you? Whose wife did I take? Listen, each one of them, they were going around like a broken record. Go and check it. Bildad, the same thing. Zophar, they kept on saying, all those men said the same thing. They, did it. they will start again. Job, you stole. You did this. You took the name of the Lord in vain. Job said, when? I never stole. I never did anything wrong. I did not take the name of the Lord in vain. Then you finish. The next guy will start again. Let's make a long story short. By the time God was done with Job, even what Job thought he knew, no confidence in it anymore. You know the interesting part? That was when God was not able to multiply Job. That's what I'm telling Christians. When you have prayed the right prayers, you have uttered the right confessions, and you still failed, rejoice and be glad. Your life is about to experience the second coming of Job. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, have you ever gotten to a point where you look and say, ah, ah. You start checking, Lord, what did I do? <laughs> you will sit down and like, what did I do? It happened to me before. When my first child, first pregnancy, eight months, the baby died. It's in my book. Sometimes Isaac die. Great faith can be yours. In front of my wife, I will shine my face like everything is in order. I will go behind and sit and cry. Now wipe my face. All right, no problem. Okay, I'm on the phone with my colleague, the gynecologist. Okay, where are you now? We are coming now. Which hospital? Where do we meet? Because your teacher was on strike. You will check, which confession did I not confess? <laughs> Isaiah 66 verse 9 that I teach everybody. I learned it before that time. I had learned it. I knew it. I, I still remember. <laughs> One day some of our friends asked my wife, you've not gone to register in, in a clinic? She said, not yet. She said, why not? She said, I'm not sick. Pregnancy is not a disease. So if you think she, she had not learned the word she had. 
And if you think I was just feeling, ah, all right, everything is okay, I lie. I was on the floor crying. My wife said, no. Because how can your wife be crying? You two are crying. You did Chris? <laughs> listen, listen, listen. That's why I wrote in that book. Sometimes Isaacs die. I learned it from scripture. Job was thoroughly confused. So finally he said to him, he said, look, all right, that's how it goes, even though he slays me, yet I will trust him. The, you know, I noticed something in studying Job. You know, God never explained to Job. Go and read your Bible. The Lord never told him anything. He didn't tell him anything. That would be concerning what happened, though. That's what I mean. Even Elihu that God said, good, you spoke well. <laughs> all Elihu, listen, all Elihu told Job was what is wrong with you? So you think you know so much about God that anything he does, he has to explain it to you? When did you become mates? Ah, God said, Elihu, thank you. <laughs> you are my guy. God took off from where Elihu stopped. Said, Job, yeah, let's see who, when we became mates. You know Leviathan. Can you handle him? In case you don't know, I'm convinced. Leviathan is what we now call dinosaurs. The Leviathan was a dinosaur. It was what, you see, if I read something once, many of these dinosaurs that we talk about, the reason why we can know them is because they dwelt in the sea. That's why they were preserved. Bones also decay. I hope you know. Don't have the impression that bones don't decay. If it, bones turn to powder if you leave it there long enough. Something has to help you retain his shape that you find. So don't think because his bone, it stays forever. No. I forgot where I, where I found out. I said, oh, when I found out most of these things, they live in the sea. That's why. They died in the sea. Flood had to be involved. There was a way chemicals reacted with their bones to preserve their bones for you to see today. It's just a cast of their bones that you are seeing. Not really the real bones per se. In, in most situations. And that, if you go and read your Bible, you call it the sea monster. Leviathan. Human beings are tried, assuming that Job lived in our days and with our own kind of, uh, you know, um, animal, you know, animals around. Then that's a crocodile. What God described, he described the scales of Leviathan. It doesn't fit the scale of a crocodile. One day I just read my Bible, I said, this thing must have been a dinosaur. And then I was now going through one commentary. And I got to that point. Ah, he said, Leviathan. He gave an explanation and said, was possibly a dinosaur. I said, ah, I didn't have to read this commentary. Just reading my Bible and knowing a bit of biology. I said, this thing must have been a dinosaur. So all you need to tell you outside, forget that thing. Read your Bible. Modern man knew the dinosaur. But this is the point. God told Job, can you handle the dinosaur? Job said, no. He said, that's one of my small, small creatures. <laughs> what am I going to explain to you? Job got to a point Everything he thought he knew failed. Listen, and what God wanted was what came out of it. Loss of self-confidence. He lost his self-confidence. So that after that, all the confidence he had was in what? Was in who? Was in God. Same thing with Paul. With all the revelations that Paul had, Paul had to lay down the revelations before the feet of Christ. So he said, I planted. That's all I did do. I watered. If the church became 20,000, don't ask me the principles. I don't know. We modern, modern Pentecostals want to behave as if we know. Paul said, don't ask me. He said, Paul, he said, he that planted is nothing. 
The one that watered, he is nothing. That is, his knowledge amounts to nothing. Don't worry about it. What we just want to do is to make sure that we planted as ordained. Because there were men who planted as ordained, and nothing came out of it. Isaiah planted like Paul did. Jeremiah planted like Paul did. And Israel under their watch did not repent. They didn't. Why? It's another story, but let's summarize like this. I don't know. People used to go to South Korea to go and learn how to build one million man churches. Listen to me. They learned everything. They didn't build it anywhere. They didn't build it anywhere else. Let me add the word. They didn't build it anywhere else. They operated all the principles that Young Gicho taught. They did not build it anywhere else. They did not build it anywhere else. If it's population, America has more population than South Korea. They did not build it in America. If it's population, Nigeria has more population than South Korea. If, what's the population of South Korea? I'm not sure now. But I, I perceive that even those of us south, in the South, we are more than they are in South Korea. We still did not build a one million man church. We still did not. We operated all the principles. We started home sell, home sell, home sell. They did not build a one million man church. Possibly like this. All I did do is what? Plant. Apollos waters. Then God gives the increase. That is, the increase is allotted by God. What he was trying to say is that I don't have control over it. So if anybody has failed, has been frustrated in life, be happy. I was going to say don't worry about it, but that's not the word of God. The word of God today is what? Be happy. You know what James said? He said, beloved, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. So those calamities, they constitute the trial of your faith. That what God is doing is working out what? Patience. He's working out patience. That's why I say all the time that, look, you are, you are not close to success until you have failed. All your plans have been working in life. Just start, start praying because you're about to jam. Because God, because God he, has to, he, he has to remove self-confidence. He has to. He has to remove self-confidence. He doesn't want you to tell any story. That takes glory away from him. Even those, look, you know everybody in this world, no matter who you are, even when you don't acknowledge God, hmm, is he the one that made you great? I hope you know that. Yes. What did God say concerning Darius? He said, I have called you by name, even though you did not know me. What does that tell you? <laughs> the man was great, and he wasn't worshipping God in the morning. Thank you for your greatness. He wasn't doing that. Yet God lifted, lifted him up for a reason. Until God disciplined Nebuchadnezzar, he thought he was the one building Babylon. In his, listen, it was a time of discipline hmm, that Daniel came into his life. It was a time of discipline that God revealed things to him. One of them says that before that time, his cup was getting full. He, he was proud. He was pompous. He thought he knew how to build kingdoms. And he operated the principles he knew until Babylon was that great. And God warned him that I'll have to put this guy in check. So he set him up with a dream, with a vision, which Daniel interpreted for him. And then one day he forgot, because that was his life. So he says, it's not Babylon the great, which I built the strength of my might, for the glory of my majesty. 
Now, what am I referring to it? That was how he lived his life. That is, he was, <laughs> he was displeasing God. He was becoming great. God said to concerning Pharaoh, For this cause I raised you up, that I might show you my glory in you. What does that mean? You were nothing. You were nothing. You were nobody. Then I brought you up to the position of Pharaoh. Now, why am I talking about that? Even secular men have understood what we are talking about. That's why I gave an example of this man who did not know God, but he still was the one that raised them to the level they were in life. They asked Steve Jobs once. He was talking about success and all of that. He was not a Christian. I don't know if he ever gave his life to Christ before he died. I don't know. But when he said it, he didn't know God as the father of our Lord Jesus. Yet he said, no one can connect the dot going forward or looking forward. He said, we only connect it looking backwards. You know what he was telling you? Most of the plans he made did not work. And that's why I said, be, be careful of biographies. Because this is interesting about it. Most times, human beings forget. They forget their troubles. They forget their frustrations. They forget their failures. So when they write a book, straight from the gods, by Jack Welch, you see how Jack Welch did everything he did. Ayakoka, by Lee Ayakoka. He will show you everything he did that made his name great. How he personally turned around the fortunes of a Chrysler. But God said, he himself does not know how. He, usually they are forgotten. So you read a biography and be carrying it about. Imbibing lies. Yes. You are imbibing dots connected backwards. When the man did not know how he got there. You know, a friend of mine quoted, what's this man's name? The Hungarian billionaire. American, of course, Hungarian origin. George Soros. You know, my quoted George Soros' son for me. He said, when he sees his father talking on television on principles of investment and all of that, he said he doesn't know what the man is talking about. He said they shouldn't believe him. He said, my father makes decisions based on how his stomach is paining him in the morning. <laughs> and if you hear George Soros talk, look, is, what made him very famous was that they said this was a man who betted against the British pound and he won. And he made one billion dollars in the process. Listen to me. He personally, personally, hmm, deliberately pushed down the value of the pound sterling. Do you understand my point? A man, one person, decided to push down the value of the British pound that time. And he did it successfully. Yet his son said, don't believe him. <laughs> his own son. They have seen my father make decisions. Most of the decisions he makes, he doesn't even understand why he makes them. I told you about a man who told me that 15 consecutive times, he asked God, what's the price of the French franc should be as against the dollar? And 15 times, God did it by the date that he set. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He asked me, he said, man of God, I don't know why. He said, I will just reason. I said, God, ah, if this thing can be so, 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 by, by Friday, it will help me like this. Same man who told me that he's finished school in primary six. 
as I start carrying books that are connecting dots backwards. They do, he himself does not know how. Please, I hope you are following me this evening. What am I going to say? I don't, I, I've not gotten to my message. Oh. No, you know I'm not lying to you. We're talking about ages of what? Faith and light. I've not even gotten there. So let's just talk about this, all right? <laughs> the point I'm going to make is this. This life, don't let anybody pretend for you like he has control. They're lying. Even if they are Christians, they don't know what they are saying. There is no method for building a big church. So don't be frustrated just because you use all the methods. Your church has not grown to the number that you desire. There's no method of making your business big. So don't be frustrated just because you have employed everything. I, I keep on telling Christians, please let me say it again. You say, okay, Pastor Bank, what am I supposed to do? Learn what is right to do and do it all the time. Learn what is right to do and do it all the time. And I'm talking about just morally right. Don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. That one is good, we know. But what I'm, what I'm going to say is that there are other things. Like if there's money. You know, some people say, ah, I don't know how, how money left my hand. It's a bad thing. What did I say? It's a bad thing. People say, money, no, they stay for hand. Have you heard that thing before? It's a bad thing. Stop saying it. If it wasn't staying in your hand before, learn how it will stay. Learn to walk past. You see beautiful things and you don't buy them. You, don't, you, you must not be an impulsive buyer. If you bought an, an S8, I forbid you from buying an S9. I don't care that you are rich. Don't buy it. Use your phone for some time. Relax. Did you know, it's not, you know, it's not every dress they show you that you, you buy. And when it comes to dresses and shirts, I forbid you from paying instrumentally. Any shirt you are buying, paying for instrumentally is too expensive for you. The person that sold you shirt is calling you at the end of the month. Knowing that they have paid salary, you know that, no, listen, you have a serious problem. You must solve it. What I'm trying to say, when we say learn what is right to do, we don't just mean morally now. We mean every aspect. Know how to account for money that you spend. Don't be impulsive in spending. It is good. Be diligent. The desire to multiply your money through good business Good trading, good production is good. It's scriptural. So if you can do it, do it. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I hope you are getting my point here. I'm going to tell you that it's not only morally thing, the moral thing we are saying. If the car is yours, wash it regularly. If it's dripping oil, stop the oil leakage. Vacuum inside, remove all the sand. Iron your shirt. And you see some Christians will be wondering. Must Jesus, Jesus die for your clothes too? <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. Dress decently. Don't let us be wondering about your mental state when we see you. You are getting what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm saying all of this to let you know that just do what is right. If you are doing business, you must have good accounts. You must know whether you are making money or losing money. Or you're just on one flat zone. You must know. It doesn't mean you must start the business that day, but at least you must know. Now, what I'm trying to say, these are the right things to do. Once you are doing them, increase is a gift of God. I hope you're getting my point. 
It's a gift. So when you now want something from the Lord, you now ask him for it. That is why men who understand. Alright? I like the story of a strive Masiwa. Go and read it. He will explain to you, look at how God used to intervene in my life. This was how I asked God for favor. This was where he helped. He made it clear by reading his story. He was not a lazy man. He was, that's why I told us there are some things that are good. If they are good, do them. Make sure you are doing what is right all the time. But they don't guarantee anything. Let nobody speak to you as if it's a guarantee of something. It's not. But listen to me. In every failure, in every challenge in your life, learn a lesson. If, there, if you can't find any lesson, just find the experience in your head and keep moving. Job didn't stop from his experience. And I said that I have found out that this righteousness does not pay. So he starts doing unrighteousness. But did he do that? So it is not every experience that will come and tell you that what you did was wrong. Are you getting my point? But that experience in your heart allows God to teach you tomorrow. Yes, that's how it is. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said that there are things I want to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth, he will lead you into all truth. The impression we get without thinking about it is that the Holy Spirit is a better teacher. But it's not true. He couldn't be a better teacher. How could he be? But what's the difference? The difference was that between the time Jesus was speaking with them and when the Holy Spirit would come, they would have gotten certain experiences. So that's when he saw them on the road to Emmaus. And he began to show them they had read the same things before. But it made no sense. Following Jesus, was he wrong? Of course he was not wrong. Now that he's dead, does it mean we shouldn't follow him? No. Yet do you know, by what they understood, everything that, did, that happened to Jesus was wrong. By what they understood, everything that happened to Jesus was wrong. He tried to warn them about it. But they couldn't bear it. That's why he said there are many things I want to tell you. What I'm going to say is this. By the time they had those experiences, it defeated everything that they understood. I mean, think about it. Jesus that raised the dead, somebody killed him. Now, Jesus is not used to raise normal dead people alone. He raised normal dead. You know what they call normal dead? You die in the morning. Jesus catches the dead person in the afternoon or shortly after dying. That's a normal dead person. After some time, somebody will die in the morning who would raise him at night. It was still a normal dead person. They now raised a rotten dead, dead person. That's the one that's abnormal. You raise a rotten dead person. What kind of person are you? Four days after Lazarus died, he raised him up. That was an issue. You know, you read the story on the wave, on, you know, on the sea. When the seas and the waves, they obeyed, obeyed him. You know what they said? Truly! You are the son of God. No, you know, I used to think before. You know, people would argue with you, was Jesus born of a virgin and all of that? I said, oh boy, if you speak to the wave, it stops. You speak to the storm, it stops. You see a man that died four days ago. They had embalmed him, injected him with formalin. You now tell him to rise up, he rises up. If you tell me you floated to the earth on a star, I will believe you. Trust me, I will believe you. And say, uh, uh, Jesus, that's even the virgin. I say, listen, your question is unnecessary. You be questioning things like, did Lazarus rise up from the dead? Ask me that question. A man born blind, you use clay to make eyes for him. Ha! Huh. You were passing, they touch your cloth. 
sickness of 12 years vanished. That's the discussion we should be having. As a high, he was born. That's an irrelevant discussion because if these other things are true, and it says he was born of the cotyledon of a flower, how we believe it? <laughs> I will believe it. Now, this same Jesus, somebody now took him and killed him. It's crazy. That's why the Muslims till today, they say it could not have happened. That's their argument till today, that it was not possible for that to have happened. The Jesus you guys told us about, how can? You are getting my, what I'm going to explain here. So everything they knew failed. Yet, without that, you and I wouldn't be saved today. You, know, you understand my, my point here? But without experiencing it, the Holy Spirit could not, Jesus could not have come back. Jesus could not have come back to teach them what he taught them in that Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. It looked like a bad thing, but they went through the experience. Having that experience in their hearts, they will now take the Bible and start reading to them. Then it starts making sense. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and did not open his mouth. Lo, I come in the volume of the books. It is written of me to do thy will. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. A body you are prepared for me. Suddenly everything made sense. Why? They had an experience. An experience of failure. Experience of, of hopelessness. Oh, once I was saw the movie of Jesus of Nazareth. Not the Mel Gibson song. The older one. I was just in my, in my office that day. I was working somewhere in Ikeja. So weekend I was working. I was just, I sat in the reception and the TV was on. And I still remember as his body came down, his mother was there. I don't know what, that's, what happened really, but what I remember is John. As that body came down, John bent his head and began to cry. Do you know I began to cry? You say, why? Did I know Jesus died? I know, I knew, I knew. What was new? I was growing, you understand? This was shortly after NYC. Life was making more meaning to me. I was beginning to understand life better. Then in an instant, I understood what happened to John. His life was over. I don't know whether you get my point. Every hope he had was that dead body. They just burnt his certificate. Killed his mother. No, that's what happened. Killed his father. The bank where he kept all his inheritance just collapsed. All of it at the same time. When the Benny said to cry, I wasn't thinking of Mary. I wasn't even thinking of the Jesus that died. Why why you not for die before? I mean, this is why you came. So it was okay for Jesus to die. Are you getting my point? But I just suddenly entered into the mind of John. And I saw the frustration. No wonder Peter said, guys, we need to eat. Let's go and fish. That is a statement of a frustrated man. <laughs> but listen to me. If you are feeling like Peter right now, I have a word from the Lord for you. The resurrected Jesus is about to meet you. Amen. The Jesus of resurrection is about to meet you. Amen. Yes. That's what it is. That's what the experience is saying. Listen. Listen. Those men were totally frustrated. And people sometimes feel like that. And what's my message today? It's a necessary step towards your progress in life. Let me say it again. It's a necessary step towards your progress. One of the things the Lord has done is to wipe out your self-confidence. You thought you knew how to do it. Now you learn to pray some more. And this is not, not long prayer. In fact, before you thought you knew how to pray. 
Right now, the kind of prayer you are praying is different. It's the kind of prayer that just says, Lord, have mercy upon me according to your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, the house is about to catch fire. Say, call fire service. Is your house. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to be moved. All that you labored for is about to burn. Let it burn. There's glory in ashes. Amen. You just, this, people were looking at you. <laughs> okay. At that point. Oh, God. At that point, you will, have passed the, you will have passed the exam of Job. And God will not be able to do what he wants to do in your life. That's what I'm preaching. Christians fall into confusion. Yes, they do. It's not because they are sinners. It is because self-confidence is still inside them. And God doesn't like it. Sometimes they are frustrated. And you've come here this evening, maybe you are frustrated. Listen to me. Blessed that thou, when thou art frustrated. For thine is the kingdom of revival. Let me put it like that. <laughs> God is about to revive you from where your dead body laid. The Lord is good. Like I said, God is about to revive you from the grave of Lazarus. Your Jesus is about to rise up again from the dead. He took away the first that he may establish the second. That word dropped in my mind. I think somebody should, should, should hold on to it. L- let me say it again. He took away the first so that he might establish the second. Listen. There are things that God wants to do in your life you have no idea. No idea. No idea. You, you have no idea. You have no idea. And the one that you are holding on to tightly. You know, I know this is something that Solomon said. He said, blessed, he said, better is one hand full of rest than two fists full of labor. When we're reading it that time, you know what it meant? When both hands are, you know, he said two what? He didn't say two hands, he said what? Two fists. They are clenched. They are so busy they can't receive from God. But the handful of rest can do what? Can receive from God. Many times, what we have planned is the reason why God can't do what he wants to do. Pastor Paul Avdifarasin started House on the Rock. Do you know why? Frustration, that's why. It wasn't revelation. It was frustration. He was a pastor in London. He came back home. Now listen to me. This is not a Nigerian that he did not know. He went to school in the United States. Let me say something to you. If I need a British visa now, I've never gotten a British visa, but I don't have any feeling in my mind that they won't give me. Why won't they give me? I'll just give them my passport. They open see the American visas inside. See, this man went to America. He did not run away. What is he going to look for in that tiny Concordo country? And not, <laughs> do you get my point? That is normal. This man went to school in the United States. God is his degree in architecture from the United States of America. Then he was living in that same London, pastoring the church. Then he came down to Nigeria and wanted to go back, and they did not renew his visa. That's something the whole story. I don't need to tell you that he prayed. The man he used to work with is a prayer warrior, taught him to pray. The British did not give him the visa. He got angry and shouted in their in their embassy or high commission, they still did not give him the visa. They started praying in his mother's sitting room. He and his friends. And started teaching Bible. And that became 
House on the Rock, the one that you know nationwide today. I hope you are getting my point. Anybody that they can plan life, they don't know life. Oh. Please turn to your neighbor. I want to close. Blessed are you. Tell your neighbor. When you are frustrated, and when you are confused, because the revelation of God is about to come into your life. Please, I need to read my Bible for today. Then I'll preach it next time. My time has gone. The Lord is good. Now, don't ask me how did I get here because me too, I can't remember. And that's not a joke. I remember what I was trying to say at the beginning, but how we pulled down to this level, I, I, I can't remember at all. Um, but it's okay. But I began trying to explain to us that God needs us. He's working in our lives. He needs us to do what he wants to do. And that walking through us, the first thing he expects from us is that we'll be agents of production of faith. That we will, ex- you know, that we will exude, we will exude faith into the environment. We will pour faith. Faith is like engine oil. It's like oxygen. Fire cannot burn if there is no faith. Are you getting my point? No matter how good your engine is, if there's no oil, it cannot move. Faith is like that. No matter what it is that God wants to do. If faith is not in the environment, I'm not, I'm not even talking about faith just being in our lives alone now, but that we have poured it into the environment. What God wants to do will not be done. Last time we looked at the fact that we understand by faith. That we understand by faith. I want to just read this portion of the scriptures. We'll continue from this point next time. But just to establish some things. Um, let's open our Bibles to the book of um, Deuteronomy chapter 32. See, talking about how we contribute faith into the environment. All right, let's read Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32. It says, Give ear, O heavens, and let, him, let me speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my stitch distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, and as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Now this is our God, verse 4, is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Now those four verses are important to what I want to explain. And for time's sake, we will not read this now, but you can also go to Job chapter 32. There you will find Eli who will explain the same thing in another way. He said, I will draw my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. So you find here, Moses teaching us to ascribe greatness to the Lord. And Eli who said we should ascribe righteousness to the Lord. Even Moses explained it, that he's a God of faithfulness and he's without injustice. He said his work is perfect. He said righteous, or like King James says, good and upright is he. David said his own also, around that verse 1, uh, chapter 145 of the book of Psalms. He said that everything he does is good. He said his works are full of his mercy. Now that's what God is. That's what he is like. Are oh, you getting my point? Now, last time we explained the fact that in Hebrews chapter 11, he said, the only way we can have understanding is through what? Faith. He said, by faith, we understand. Without faith, we have no understanding. By faith, we understand. Without faith, we have no understanding. 
So if we are going to release faith into our environment, one major assignment we have is to interpret our lives by faith. Just like I've been saying up to this particular point in time, you have understood, all right, that no one, I'm using the words of Steve Jobs now, no one can connect the dots looking forward. 17 keys on how to make it into being a millionaire before you are, if you are 30. Don't worry about it. Most people who use it did not make it into anything by the time they were 50. But they did not really write their own book titled How I Failed in Business Attempts. Will you buy that? So they did not write. Nobody published it. So you don't know. So stick with the scriptures. That's what I'm trying to say. Stick with the scriptures. The Bible has told us, fear God, obey his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. By faith we understand that victory is of the Lord. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. For us, our trust is in the name of the Lord. Are you getting my point? So we know that whatever we have in life, it is what God granted us. Whatever we don't have or achieve is what he has refused to grant. Now, that does not mean it was not his will to grant it. We are just saying the determination of what is granted or what is experienced is not in the physical realm, but in the heavenly realms. So if we have to make adjustments, we make our adjustments spiritually and we interpret our life like that. We interpret our lives like that. We say that, okay, what am I supposed, why are things working this way? I don't know. So I go and pray. I don't sit there and say, what is wrong with that Saul? His armor bearers. They did not know that somebody could fire an arrow and kill him. Why did the man who made um, the armor of um, Ahab, why did he not put a cover over there? The reason why people die is because when they are going to battle, they don't have every joint covered. Learn to cover your joints. Learn to cover your joints. Because... The Bible says Saul died because of the trespass that he committed against the Lord. It was not the tactical error in battle. It was because of the trespass that he committed against the Lord. So while assessing our lives, we learn to understand life from the spiritual dimension. And we speak like that. Just like I've spoken today now. We now say that "Ah, I know the 17 keys. No. We say that I will do what is right. I trust the Lord to grant me favor. Do you follow my point? That's what it means when we say, by faith we understand. Without faith, we don't understand. So anything you are saying that's not on the base of faith is misunderstanding. I don't have to read this. And then that, you see, because those two scriptures I wanted to explain, I'll continue developing next time. Actually, I read it so I won't forget that I wanted to read it. You know, I, you know that's why I read it too. One I read, well, that one I quoted, that's um, Deuteronomy chapter 32. All right? It said, ascribe greatness to the Lord. Eli who said, I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. That's in Job 36, verse 2. All right? Now, those two things, that, what I want from both of them is the fact that we ascribe. In your life, you will ascribe goodness to the Lord. That's it. In your life, you will ascribe righteousness to him. In your life, you will ascribe faithfulness to him. You see what he said there? He said, he's a God of faithfulness. So like I was saying, even though things don't work the way I planned them, I will never say God is not faithful. You say, but nobody ever says God is not faithful. No, what happens is that they start saying that faithfulness does not pay. Are you getting my point? Yeah, go and read it. Malachi. He said, to what end have we put this out? Say, walking humbly before our God. What they are doing is they are saying that he's not a God of faithfulness. Let me leave it there. We'll develop it from that point next time. If you are blessed, they give me an amen. amen. All right, let's just bow down our heads and give the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you for blessing me with your truth. Say, Lord, thank you for blessing me with your truth. 
Father, we give you thanks for it. Let's just give him thanks in our own words individually. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I know that you are in my life in every moment. Even when it seems like things are not working. Self-confidence is dead. It's always dying. And God's confidence is rising. Say, Lord, God's confidence is rising in my life. Thank you. I have no other God but you. I like that song from Nathaniel Bassi. I have no other God but you. I love the song. I have no other God but you. You have done what no man has done. You will do what no man can do. Let us sing that portion again. I have no other God but you. I have no other God but you. You have done what no man has done. You have done what no man has done and you will do what no man can do you will do what no man can do you know i was reading the book of ecclesiastes again i was actually writing what we taught here down and something just kept popping up as i'm writing after i finish the chapter i said what solomon was saying is that there is a god out there and it's not you he was saying to mankind, there is God out there and it's not us. Even for us believers, our faith is always in him, not in our own abilities. And he wants us to get to that point. He said, when I led him about, there was no other God with him. He was speaking concerning Israel. And that's what he's doing in your life, so that there will be no other God. Your friends will disappoint you. Your relatives will disappoint you. People that have power to help will disappoint you. Until God has shown to you that only he is God in your life. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. I declare to you is well with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The glory of God will manifest in your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. From the depths of your adversity, God's glory will begin to rise. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Even if it appears like you are totally down and totally out, don't ever forget Lazarus. Lazarus got up again. You are coming up again in the name of Jesus. Amen. When you rise again, it will be like Job in his second coming. Greater things than you could have walked for will come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Now let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you are going to bless four people around.